Well, my name is Faith Ratti, and I serve as a director of Christian Outreach at St. Peter's in Edina. And I think we're a little shorter on time than I thought we were. So I'm just going to pass it along. Not, we'll leave the rest to the discussion time. But who are you? Where are you from? My name is Shannon Hexel. I'm a youth and family ministry director at Hosanna Lutheran in Mankato, Minnesota. My name is Tosca Grimm, and I'm the Early Childhood Center Director at St. Peter's in Edina, Minnesota. My name is Marcus Lane. I'm uh, the Associate Pastor, uh, kind of covering the area of discipleship at Lamb of God Lutheran in Seattle, Washington. And Shannon was my camp counselor when I was in fourth grade. Okay. <laughs> My name is Michael Harvey, and I'm a director of Christian education, serving as a, what they call me a director of faith formation in Redeemer in Rochester, Minnesota. And Shannon was my brother's counselor at Camp Omega. Faith was not my camp counselor, but we work together, so our, her office is right next door to mine. Okay, well, the idea is that this is about being a church worker. How to be a church worker without freaking out is kind of the concept. Um, and we can talk a lot, but it's supposed to be a Q&A panel. So actually, maybe I should be down there so we can hear them, like running the mic to them. But um, maybe we're going to do quickly through us, maybe we'll just say quickly, what sparks joy? Anybody Marie Kondoing these days, or is that just old people? Okay. Um, <clears throat> I learned how to fold my sweaters. I didn't know. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, we're gonna, maybe we'll do that. And then if you can be thinking of a question that you have, I'll come to you, and you can ask the question of the group. We'll do our best to keep it short and sweet and answer it as honestly as possible. And um, that's what I'll do. So what sparks joy for me is um, when I see someone that maybe wasn't a believer become a believer, which is kind of the best part of the whole job, um, and see them get excited and ready to grow in their faith and get to know Jesus better. So it's pretty fun. Um, or when I see a church uh, member that's been a member for ages um, that uh, kind of gets it as well, that it's not about them. Like one time I heard this guy I'd been working with for several years say, I passed by him, and he was talking to somebody else, and he said, well, we're supposed to be a hospital, not a country club. I was like, we're reaching out. We're a hospital for sinners. Yay. So that's what sparks joy in my life. What sparks joy for you and your job? I think the uh, biggest thing for me that sparks joy is um, when a youth or a child really just kind of gets their faith and takes ownership of it. Um, we work in a culture of confirmation as graduation. So after that confirmation, when I see a 9th, 10th, 12th, you know, 11th, 12th grader um, really take ownership of their faith, I have a couple that I brought with to the youth gathering that are seriously mad at me that they can't go to every single session. Like they have one at 10.30 today that they wanted, which our morning session was 10.30 and 11 and noon and 1 and 2 and they're upset that they can't make them all. So uh, it sparks joy in me to see them really take ownership and want to learn and grow in their faith. So I work primarily with infants, toddlers, and preschoolers. So my students are zero to five and teachers. So we have a staff of about 24 at any given time. And then all the parents um, equally. So what sparks joy for me is when one of those constituencies um, is realizing what a personal relationship with Jesus is, especially the kids. We have two- and three-year-olds that go home with a chapel song or something they learned in Bible time or remembering that we prayed for them, and they tell their parents and their neighbors and their swim teacher and the lady standing behind them at the mall all about Jesus, and they are so unashamed about it, and they proclaim that gospel, and it's a good reminder to us how joyful we should be sharing that as well. It's, and it's so cute. They're adorable. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I would say the thing that sparks joy uh, for me most in ministry is is preaching. Um, and, and one of the reasons it, it sparks joy for me is uh, this will make sense in a moment, I promise. Are there any Harry Potter fans in the house? All right. Of the Harry Potter fans, do you ever, like, imagine yourself, like, in the story? Um, right? Okay, like every Harry Potter fan, like, oh, I wish I was in that story. Um, and if it's not Harry Potter for you, there's probably a, a story uh, that you love and that you would love to be a part of. Um, and so for me, what I get to do every time I stand up to preach is I get to show people uh, the way that their lives fit into a story that is intricate and beautiful. Uh, and, and it is this incredible message of grace that didn't actually just start with Jesus. It started long before that. God's been weaving it through history. Um, and, and I get to, to share that with people and help them find their lives in this incredibly beautiful, magnificent story that God has given to us. Those are all great answers. Um, I guess what brings me joy, and this is part of who I am as my DNA, is, is when there's a place for everybody and everybody is included in, in, in the circle. And, and um, that is something that um, I kind of pass on. And, and I have some people in here that are, have gone to the Rochester CERN event. And so they know what's going on. This is something we do in our town. And we, we've kind of been slowly growing and growing. And at the end of each day, we all circle up. And we make sure no one is left out. And then we, we pray and we sing sanctuary. And now this, at the end, the, the, the circle is going outside of the sanctuary. And I'm, maybe, I'm hoping for next year it goes outside the building. You know, so like everybody has a place, and now because everybody has a place in that body of Christ, um, we're get, we can't fit in the church anymore. We're getting out there. So. You had a little bit of time to think. Is there any questions about church work? Okay, there we go. Good. I was like, oh, man, I hope somebody's got a question. Okay. Hi, my name is Darren from Ohio, and uh, I wondered if any of you struggled with your calling before you actually took that leap. Easy answers, yes. Anybody got anything deeper than that? I kept trying to get out of it because I thought, oh, well, because I had new opportunities. So I tried like doing full-time consulting outside of ministry for a while. And I really missed the kids and family. Well, I liked parts of it. I really missed the kids and families. And I've worked in corporate child care programming before. And I liked some of it, but I really missed that I had to really watch my tongue as far as what I could say and how to share my faith and all of that. So it always just kind of kept coming back to even though it's there's really hard things about it quite often, the benefits far outweigh me keeping trying to dodge the calling. So uh, I I can't say that I struggle with the calling into church work period. Um, but I started uh, CSP Concordia St. Paul with uh, in math education. Um, went to DCE certification. Um, and then to pre-sem, and then to music education, which is music education is actually what I graduated with. Uh, I got a call the first three years out of college. I taught music for three years, and then I've been in full-time congregational DCE ministry for the last 17 years. So um, struggle, I don't know. Yes, no, I had some, you know, I changed my mind a lot, uh, but eventually God placed me where he wanted me to be. Uh, so I'm, like, super involved. Like, I lead the youth worship band, and something that I've been struggling with recently is burnout from church in general and church work. Um, what is something I can do to help with that? 
One thing I like to do is not hang out with church people. I got to be honest. I love you guys. But when you're hyper, I mean, it is just a weird thing. It's like if you work at, um, if you work at a hospital and all you do is hang out with doctors and nurses, sometimes you need a break from doctors and nurses, right? They're great people. Sometimes you need a break. So that's one thing I do. Take a stab at that. Um, one thing that I'm really thankful for um, just in, in my formation to, uh, to be a pastor was when I was a, a vicar at Bethlehem Lutheran in, in Denver, Colorado. Uh, my vicarage supervisor was just very conscious of that um, and held me accountable for that and, and was regularly checking in on that. Um, I stepped into a situation where it was a, a big church. Their associate pastor had just taken a call, and so his position was vacant, and it was like, oh, we'll just let the vicar do all that stuff. And, um, and so he, uh, my, the, my, my vicarage supervisor uh, was just really great in terms of uh, some accountability, in terms of, of helping me set boundaries um, and checking in on that. And, and so I guess my first recommendation would be, um, you know, find, find someone uh, who can maybe help keep you accountable with that. Uh, someone who's willing to, to check in on you saying, you know, if, if it's the, you know, whoever the church worker that, that supervises you, maybe just let them know you've, you've been struggling with that and, and could use some help um, and, and someone to check in on a, on a regular basis. Uh, that, that would probably be my primary recommendation. Yeah, burnout is, is very interesting. And um, what I've found in the, in the years, I've been at this only call, first call, only call is where I'm serving. And I just love it completely. Um, at about seven years, I was kind of at the point where like, am I making a difference? Is it everything going to change? And, and what am I doing here? And at that time, God sent an inquiry from another church and I had to go, what does this mean? And then a few years later, when I was kind of at that point again, the same thing happened. And so where I am now, when I start feeling those feelings, I'm like, okay, God, open my eyes. Like, as I think a lot of times when we run into burnout, it's, it's because all those things that we know as Christians we should be doing every day, we've just stopped or lessened because we're so busy or we're so involved. Um, and so when you go back to those fundamentals of prayer, scripture, um, for me, it's made all the difference in the world. Like, open my eyes to show me where you're, what you're doing with me, Jesus. And he does. He does. Yeah, and I think, too, just knowing that having the faith to know the other bigger things that you think are so important that you have to get done and the talking to God and the Bible study can wait, yeah, those other things don't really matter if you can't have that first love relationship. Same as, okay, if you have not read the book Boundaries by Cloud and Townsend, please, if you're at all considering, well, life in general, but if you're at all considering church work especially, please read Boundaries. Cloud and Townsend. Yes. Um, so I don't know. This kind of goes with the the that question. Um, how do you draw the line? Like when there's like a billion different people trying to talk to you and asking questions. Where do you draw the line between helping people and not getting yourself sick and not doing too much? That is an excellent question, <laughs> for sure. Anybody want to say specifically that? I think it, it points to the last question, as you said, you know, learning when to say no. And I know it's hard to pick and choose. Well, I'm going to say yes to Michael, no to Marcus, et cetera, et cetera. But y you have to, you know, prioritize. I mean, I have a family. Um, I've been married for 17 years, four children. Um, I, I kind of have a one, two, three scale. You know, God comes first, family second, church comes third. 
and you have to be strong in, in those priorities and boundaries. Um, and beyond that, you need to, you know, make sure that you're scheduling out your week, your day, et cetera, to know how many people can I say yes to? How many people am I going to remember what they say? How many people am I going to say, please email me, please leave a note on my desk, please give me some other information? Because my first few years in ministry, I was not the most organized person. And Sunday would come, and I'd have 5 million people say A, B, C, D, E, and Monday morning would come, and I had to deal with A, B, C, D, E, and I'm like, what were they? Uh, I, yeah, I didn't remember them. Um, so I learned really quickly that, you know, it's okay to say, please write this down, please email me, please remind me, because I honestly care about what you're asking, but I'm not going to remember it. You know, so you need to be just prioritize and be healthy with your time. Um, as a school administrator, you have to be really good at multitasking. And um, early childhood educators in particular are very prone to burnout. I'm actually forming a whole dissertation for my doctorate on burnout. So um, there's certain layers. So you kind of have to triage a little bit um, to figure out what's really important. Um, we do some exercises at our church called the wind wheel, what's important now. And so, if, like, for me, I also live in a world where I'm uh, regulated by the Department of Human Services. So that's, like, my first tier. In a given day, I have to make sure I have all the licensing pieces for the state of Minnesota um, in check, or we're not even going to be open. And it could, if something goes awry, it could tarnish our church name. It could tarnish our, um, you know, approaches at sharing the gospel. So... That's kind of my first layer, and then that kind of goes up to that, because I know if I don't take care of that foundational piece, we're not going to be able to have all these families come in to be ministered to. So it's always kind of what's really important now, and I'll tell people, and I've gotten better. I'm getting older, so I've gotten much better at figuring out, telling people, you know what, I really want to do that, but I don't have the bandwidth right now, and I won't do a good job, and then I'll be upset with it. So can I delegate that? Or let me help you find somebody? Or can we put that on a shelf for a year and I'll come back to it? So it's always being very intentional and cognizant about what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you for your role for that moment. Uh, just real quickly, uh, one thing uh, that I'm, I, I'm actually still learning uh, is, is I think one thing that's important in ministry is uh, margin. Uh, so margin is the difference between uh, what you have and, and what you need. Um, and so particularly when it comes to time, recognizing, okay, how much time uh, do I have and how much time do I need? Um, and trying to build in margin so that you have more time available uh, than you maybe need. So like when I think about uh, writing my sermon for the week and, and doing all of the prep that, that goes into that for me, like I need some margin because inevitably like something's going to come up. Uh, someone's gonna, gonna need time. And so being able to, to build in margin for that, make sure that that time that, that is, is being taken isn't added on top. Um, it's not, you know, being taken away from my family, uh, but I've kind of budgeted that, that extra for it is, is super important. And not surprisingly, there is a book called Margin, which I've read, and I would encourage you to read as well. I uh, don't remember the name of the author, and that one's not as memorable as a cloud, but it's also very good, and it's a concept I'd never heard of before. So um, I encourage you to check that out. Um, so is church work as rainbows and unicorns and glitter stuff as people think it is, or if it's not, how do you handle the ugliness that occurs? 
Easy answer, no, it is not rainbows and glitters, uh, except for in that Holy Spirit is showing up and doing amazing things, but anybody? Yeah, I, uh, that's, I, I think, kind of one of the things that just kind of like hit me in the face <laughs> when, I, when I started out. Um, so I'm probably the, the most junior on, on, this, uh, uh, on this panel. Um, and, and, you know, I think, um, and, and this kind of plays into the kind of the burnout question as well, because I think everyone enters into church work with these expectations, and, and I was certainly like that. Um, I'm actually going to share about this, a little quick plug, uh, 4 p.m., uh, mustaches, fig leaves, and Instagram, that's me, uh, that's my session. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in, in depth and, and share this story a little bit, uh, but just like having all these expectations for myself uh, what it's going to be like, um, and and then, like, entering in and recognizing, like, oh, it's not that, um, and there are places that I thought I was proficient and I'm really inadequate, um, and, and all of that, um, and so I guess one thing that, I, that I'll say in terms of, of kind of some of those, the, the low points and, and recognizing uh, the unpleasantness of ministry um, is... God has this way, and this kind of fits with uh, what we've been talking about uh, at the, the mass event last night and, and then morning sessions today. Uh, but God has this profound way of, of using those low points as, uh, as ways of shaping me um, and, and ways of, of shaping everyone. Um, I, I can say for certain I've, I've learned more about God and, and learned to trust him more deeply, far more in, in the points where I felt like I was doing something and working in a capacity that I didn't know what to do or, or, or how to handle uh, than some, where I felt like, oh, I've got this, you know, like, because when I feel like I've got this, that's when, like, the pride sets in. Uh, that's when the ego sets in, and, and that usually goes a bad direction. Yeah, it makes me think of, you know, was Jonah being swallowed by the fish a good thing or a bad thing? Did everybody have that in Bible study this morning? Right, and what was it? It was good. Yeah, and and you could say that's conflict, or that's not quite sparkles and rainbows, or whatever. <laughs> that's the exact opposite of that, right? Um, yeah, and and I'm, I've I've learned and kind of changed my approaches. Like I love grumpy people, and I find conflict fascinating. And I'm doing a session on Sunday about conflict, so um, it's it's just fascinating. So if you can start thinking about, you know, what is God doing through this? Like Marcus was saying, just said it perfectly. Like I've learned so much more in those times than others. So like huge gifts from God that we often say, God, you suck. You put me through this, but it's, it should be like, praise Jesus, because this is where I'm going to like grow. And so let yourself grow um, through those. Um, Cause for sure they're there. When we have mountaintop moments, I, before we everybody leave, I go, guys, this is exactly when Satan's going to come. Like, this is exactly the time Satan's waiting for because he does not want you all excited about the Holy Spirit and all excited about telling about Jesus. He wants you feeling man curved in on himself, right? So um, um, they're going to come. Everybody has them. Um, where do you see God working through them? Yeah. Real quick, there's no resurrection without a death first. So let's keep that in mind. That was some lemon into lemonade. Very good. Um, I think one of the things that I constantly have to prepare myself for, and my work is often very tender because I'm working with very young children, and they're very vulnerable, and I'm working with parents who are trying to figure this parenting thing out. And we oftentimes get these kind of intimate glimpses into families, 
Um, and something that I always have to prepare myself for, that the ugly is just having this magnified glimpse of how broken the world is. I remember, um, so Faith and I have worked together at the same church for, well, five and a half, pushing six years now. And I remember one night, and I think we were dealing with a family that we knew there was some conflict in the marriage and the children were suffering and just, we didn't know what to do. And we just cried. I mean, we, I think we were just at a point where we were both emotionally exhausted. We'd been dealing with all this hurt and we have to be the ones that are always eyes on Jesus and we're the strength and we're the prayer warriors and we have the Bible verse answer for you and we're just going to be here and support you, which is, yes, that's what we're called into, but it gets really, really exhausting. And so I think that's another thing too, is just to know when you find those ugly moments and I just said, this is so hard and we just both broke down and usually we're pretty tough. I don't know if you remember that. And we just held hands and prayed and cried and hid in that office for a while and just said, God, we can't do any more with this. This is all you. And here, take this broken and stuff and fix it because it really hurts our hearts. We felt so bad. Um, and so I think just realizing that, and so I think the thing when you find those ugly moments is knowing that you have people in the, the mud with you <laughs> in, the, in that belly of the whale or um, in the little office you can cry in is that support that you can come to. And um, I think that's a blessing when you can be on a church team as well or some kind of ministry team to know it's a safe space to talk about ideas or talk about hurts, and that you're always going to be confidential and always looking for a positive um, outcome to that conversation. It's not gossip. It's not tearing down. It's, but sometimes you just need that to, for us to just sit and put, put that ugly before Jesus so he can take those ashes and make it beautiful is really, really important. It can't be just you like they had talked about. You have to have that team of uh, faith around you. I mean, they obviously covered a lot too, but I, I would just suggest, and there is ugly times, you know, uh, we see in our world uh, the politics of our government, uh, some of those same political issues and stuff happen within our churches that the most, uh, most of you probably have never heard of or seen or done anything like that, that all happens uh, within those closed door meetings, etc. And so I guess I try to... Uh, fix my eyes on Jesus and try to find Jesus in those trials and try to find Jesus in those discussions because some of them are pretty ugly. Some of them are very full of sin, uh, but realizing that we are sinful people, even though we're the people with the call and to ministry and stuff, you also have the same call into ministry um, and realizing that we are all sinful people. We're all going to be, we're all going to do things wrong. We're all going to see others do something wrong. Um, it's really focusing on Jesus and finding Jesus in those times. Um, and the, one of the biggest things that I can say, and I didn't do this for like the first 10 or so plus years of ministry, is to find uh, relationships of other people in your field. Um, I know that DCEs, and I'm not one of them, uh, they have clusters around. Uh, those are great places. Um, Educators have different conferences and stuff. DCOs are usually grouped in with DCEs, and uh, pastors have their, you know, circuits and stuff like that. Those types of areas, finding other people, is really, really important and has changed my ministry drastically in the last five, ten-ish years. Um, so really finding even mentors and stuff that, you know, maybe some people that really um, you model your ministry after, or you followed in their footsteps because they meant something to you you know, find those people and, and build those relationships so that they can help you through the hard times. And sometimes you will help your mentor and others through those hard times too. How long does it, for to be a pastor, how long does it take to go 
for college and how much is it per year? Representatives from the Concordia Seminary Admissions Office are here. They can, uh, I, so I can't speak directly to uh, the costs uh, just because that's kind of like an always changing thing. Uh, I do know that actually right now that with uh, financial aid and, and what the seminary is able to offer, um, that currently uh, seminary is tuition free. Um, and, and that's actually a recent change. That wasn't like that when I was there. Um, and so they, they are making it far more possible, far more affordable. Um, people recognize that church worker debt is, is something that the church needs to kind of try to address. Um, but uh, so for me, in terms of the time, uh, so it was four years of a, a traditional undergrad, so uh, either a, a bachelor's degree. Um, and then, uh, and then four years of seminary. So that's two years on campus, one year vicarage, and then fourth year, uh, back on, on campus. And yeah. Um, and I will say too, for those that, because half of us in the room won't be a pastor. So, uh, just to say, um, if you haven't checked out Financial Peace University or Generation Change, I really encourage you to do that. It was a life changer for me. Um, I did put myself through Concordia University of St. Paul. Concordia University of St. Paul is the only program that has, or school that has the Director of Christian Outreach Program. Um, but it's not cheap. We know that. Um, but there's a way to do it without debt. And nobody's telling you that. <laughs> so I want you to, um, to check that out. At least go to DaveRamsey.com website. Check that stuff out. You can follow him on Instagram and all the stuff. So... Um, all the things they're telling you about cost, it doesn't have to be that way, but you will have to do things differently than the normal person. So you won't be normal. I'm sorry. But you'll be debt-free, which is better than normal, okay? So, so I just want to put that out there real quick. That's why I had to take away real fast. Um, is it time for us to be done, Matt? Are we okay? One more? Okay, one more. Uh, can, can we go for you? Okay. Uh, you said uh, confirmation is uh, more of a graduation well, not, you know, graduation, people think of it, yeah, seen as that, you know. But um, how, do, how do you reach out to youth in the church who do go to church that uh, either haven't been confirmed or have been confirmed and won't come back to the youth group or, you know, want to grow in their faith? I think the, the biggest thing that you can do in church work as a leader or, you know, whatever, is to build relationships with them. If there's no relationship, no matter how many times you call their home, no matter how many times you say hi in the hallway at church or wherever, um, you're not going to probably get them back. Um, so building a relationship with them and really trusting in, in God to really do the work with the Holy Spirit in their heart to bring them there. Uh, but the relationship as far as staff to student goes, the relationship is huge. Because if they don't have a relationship with that DCE, with that teacher, with that leader, why would they want to go? You know, so building those relationships are important. Um, but unfortunately, it all has to do with, or it mostly has to do with parents. The biggest reason why confirmation is seen as graduation is because the parents aren't invested in it with the students. Um, anywhere from 60 to 90% of students are leaving the faith, not just leaving Lutheranism or church attendance, but leaving their faith from 18 on to 25 or so. Um, and the biggest reason for that is they're seeing their parents not view church as important or their faith. They're dropping their kids off for confirmation. And what does that teach them? Okay, 
Confirmation is good for you, but once you grow up, you don't need to go anymore. You know, so uh, parent involvement and parent education, family education is almost more important than any confirmation class that any pastor or DC, and I'm going to be fired for this, um, has probably ever taught. Um, so it's really important to, to really engage the family and the parents in that education because without the parents, you might as well say goodbye to the student, unfortunately. Relationship is true for any church work you do. It doesn't matter who you work with, where you work, what you do. That was what Jesus was all about. And he's a pretty great model. So, um, I drink a lot of coffee because uh, I like just that's kind of the big thing, you know, kind of off of, uh, you know, relationships for me um, and, and my work with youth in our church. Uh, is, it's a lot of like, hey, let's let's grab coffee. Uh, hey, let's let's talk. Uh, usually when I haven't seen, you know, if I haven't seen someone in worship for a while or they haven't been uh, at, you know, participating in stuff, uh, usually I find out over coffee, like, it's not just I didn't want to be there, like, or, uh, like, whatever. Like, usually there's, you know, a lot more going on under the surface. And um, and so, again, making time for a relationship to, to kind of be able to be like, hey, like, haven't seen you in a while. Is everything okay? Um, and you find out, like, a lot of times they're not there because, no, everything's not okay. So, Yep, I could echo relationship. It's, it's all over the place. Um, I'm also echoing what was said earlier. Like, I'm still learning. Like, that has been on my heart for a long time. Not just the fact that kids, youth are leaving, young adults are leaving, parents aren't. You know, it's like all that. Like, where, where is our place in that? Because I'm kind of sick of saying it happens. Like, but, but what? What should we do? Like, what are we going to do about that? And you guys in this room are probably going to be the ones that God's going to give the answer to. You know, the next reach out is going to come from you guys. Um, so we're excited that you're in this room. We're excited that you're doing ministry and you're thinking about these questions, which are just super important. Um, and so as we're, as we're looking forward, yeah, keep those relationships and prayer. I have a woman in my church that is a prayer warrior and she is, um, I've seen more kids in church, I think just because she's praying them back to church. Um, so it, I know we are like, oh, pray. Yeah. You're supposed to say that you're a church worker. Seriously, guys, prayer is important. Yeah. Well, it's kind of hard to have a relationship with someone if you're not talking to them, and prayer is talking to God, right? So we want to start there, and then we can have relationships with each other. And we are, as churches, we do have to think structurally and um, programmatically, but then we get sucked into that, and so we get away from that relationship stuff, and so really it is important. I always like to talk about the lay people are the team. You're the football team on the field, right? So you're the one doing it. And, um, <clears throat> and I just think it's important to remember that you – don't share your faith. You're not friends with them to share your faith with them, right? You share your faith because you're friends with them, because you love them, and that's the best thing you have to offer.